This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome back to Wyman and Bob. It's Dave Wyman here with Ryan Roland Smith and all week down at spring training, and this is this is really fun. And Brock and Salk are down at spring training down in Peoria. We'll be there at the end of the month. But right now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, we got Brock Heward. How are you, Brock? Hello, David. Yes, we have the trail, and then you guys come and just clean up all of our messes, and you finish. <laughs> And remember, it's not how you start. Pete Carroll likes to say, we're just the starters. We're the starters. And then they bring in the closers. They bring in Bob and Wyman to finish it out at the end of the month. So we're just, we're trying to set it, you know, set the pace, Dave, trying to get the party started for you guys. There you go. And, you know, like Pete says, can you win the game in the first quarter? No. no. Can you win the game in the second quarter? No. Can you win the game in the third quarter? No. Can you win the game in the fourth quarter, Brock? Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's really obnoxious. Really Sorry. obnoxious. Hey, are you, how's the weather down there? Are you guys, you guys having a good time? Uh, Maura got sunburned badly Uh-oh. today. At the, oh, and yeah, yeah, she did not put any sunblock on. And <laughs> yep, we got to the car, and someone was a little bit of a lobster. Someone's going to be hurting tomorrow, and uh, it wasn't Harry Salk. He has no skin that can, uh, you know, be possibly burned. <laughs> and. And it wasn't beard adjusted. It was uh, it was Miss Moore that got a little sunburn. So it was it was beautiful. I think it's about sixty four. Feels like about eighty. And got to watch the guys this afternoon. So did the show this morning. Uh, hung around, talked to some guys, watched some of the bullpen, and then we went over to Camelback and watched the Mariners and the White Sox this afternoon. And it was glorious, man. I, and I am just reminded, uh, hyphen. I should have been a pitcher. Every time that I come down here, like I, I should have. Why did I stop pitching? Why did I ever? It is stop a good gig, pitching? huh? It, it's a good gig. I will say this though, and and you still notice it. So when I first got to big league camp, it was that thing about you know how you see the guys, and you would have seen it probably today from the White Sox side of things, where they stick around for three to five innings and they walk across the field. It's yep. such a bad look. And when you're a young pitcher, you're like, I'm not doing that until I got a couple of years in the league because you just see this like herd of. I'm gonna say pitching. And you're a pitcher, a starting pitcher in spring training. That's a nice gig. Get your work yeah. in in the morning, and then you're out. See ya. It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know what else I liked? And, and I didn't notice this. I think this is like 14 years. 14 years ago, 09, Salk and I, when the station started, was the first year we were down here. And I know they did not have anywhere near the technology they do today. But, like, they – they have a bullpen, and I got to see the, the, the kid that's made a lot of waves, Baroa, and you know he's throwing, and literally they got the camera behind him, and then right next to him they got this board. It almost looks like a golf leaderboard, and we can't see it from the backside, but every pitch it shows miles per hour, it shows depth, it wow. shows movement, yeah. you know, and it's just like golly, that is such amazing instant feedback for these guys. To evaluate, you know what what they're doing and, and the quality of work they're getting in, and man, they have some talented, talented arms competing in this bullpen, and you know we got a chance to see some of that today. Well, hey Brock, uh, I know I think you can credit this to to Lefko because I didn't really think anything about it, but there's a video of you, uh, and Lefko said it in a creepy way, looking at Jared Kelnick working out. Uh, tell us about that. 
Yeah, I don't know what Lefko's talking about. I mean, I, I'm just, you know, doing what any great analyst does, Dave, and, I, and I'm watching. I'm taking it all in. I'm not afraid to oogle, and I'm not afraid to stare. Oogle. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and Kilnick, was, Kilnick was in there early. So, I don't know. We got there around 6.15 this time on the Air 7, you know, down here in, in Arizona. And uh, walked in and got a chance to see Scott and some of the others. And one of the first guys in the building was Jared Kilnick, who walked by us. And we learned today he does not like to be called JK. So we can oh, drop really? that. Yeah, we need to drop that. He, he, had a whole, but he had a whole clothing company or something that he launched, yeah. JK. Yeah, so that's well, gone. More. All right. Life and some things change, all right? So he's dropped He's dropped JK. And <laughs> uh, and then not only was he one of the early ones in, we're you know getting ready to do the show. And he is there throwing the med ball against the wall and he's a pretty impressive athlete, Dave. He looks he yeah. looks like a cross between an NFL running back and an NFL strong safety. Actually, a lot like John Lynch. He's just wow. got that twitchy, unbelievably explosive power, and uh, is a is a muscle bound guy. Like I remember seeing Tyler O'Neill years ago, and that dude was like a bodybuilder. I mean, he was he's all muscle bound, and he's powerful. He's a good player. But honestly, Kelnick is like a strong safety. I mean, he carries that muscle, but an unbelievably explosive, dynamic guy. So, yeah, fun to see him get his work in. And, and, and man, if he can take a step this year for this team, what an enormous difference. You know, to go from good to great, uh, they, they went from pretty good to really good last year with Julio. You get Julio and you get Jared to take a step, you go from good to great, which would be awesome for this team. Brock, when you're walking around camp, and, and obviously I haven't been down there yet, but a lot of talk in the offseason was talking about how they didn't do a whole lot in regards to free agency or, or you know through trades. And, and one of the big, you know, the, the narrative for them was like, look, we, we like what we have in-house. Like, this is yeah. this is who we are. But when you look walk around camp, and, and your thoughts too, obviously this is the first time we've had a chance to talk about it. You're in spring training right now. You're already a couple weeks in. Does this look like a complete team to you? Does this look like a team that, all right, this is going to get not just to the playoffs, but deep into the playoffs with what, how this rust is built? Well, their pitching staff and bullpen does because they're going to be a lot of competition and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do in this bullpen. And that is a great problem to have. And I think with Jerry and Scott, we've got to remember they are pitching, 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 pitching. It's a former pitcher. It's a former catcher. They were and have been battery mates for years and years and years in building, you know, a couple different organizations and working together. And, and Ryan, I don't think there's any question. And, you know, just once again, compare and contrasting over the years, just seeing the caliber of talent and the caliber of athlete that they have across the board. And, and I know I, I did a whole joke about buff dudes and where are the buff dudes and where's my buff dudes report. And like early on, they just look like a bunch of dad bots. Like there's just a lot of normal looking guys. And now you see just a different caliber of athlete all across the board. Would they and could they be better with one more experienced bat? Absolutely. Do they have, as Salk likes to say, do they have powder to make a move, right, with the strength of those arms? And, 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 you know, we'll see what the first few months plays out. And they showed last year when they went out and got an ace and they were aggressive and, and got what they really needed to get into the playoffs. You know, two months into the season, Ryan, could they use a bat? And, and, and if so, would they be willing to go and make a move? I think the answer to that is yes. But from a pitching and a bullpen standpoint, it is the best that my eyes have seen in 14 years being down here. 
So, Brock, what about uh, you guys were at the games, and, you know, I was kind of complaining early on. I know it's early, but uh, about – I wasn't kind of complaining. I was complaining about the <laughs> the game going too fast, man. I mean, I, I felt like it was just – you know, and I did a calculation uh, based on 30 minutes shorter that we're getting ripped off uh, by about 81 hours of uh, of baseball this year but right. does it does it have like on tv it looks like too too fast and you know it, mm-hmm. i know that they're getting to where the numbers are that they want but what did it feel like being there in, in person yeah i would say it felt faster watching on tv than it did in person oh okay yeah, I, I i think you'll kind of get that same feel and frankly i was a little surprised i talked to rick Rizzer today and i said hey man this is going to be a, kind of a bummer for you guys right and he's like uh, no this is going to be great you know this is going to get back to some of the rhythm and the go it just got too far the other way I, I do think this is a big huge swing of the pendulum the other way and i get where you're coming from dave and was there a middle ground was there something maybe in between for these guys like the zach grankies that were taking way too long yeah. hey like you're going to be on a clock we're going to put you on a clock like they do in golf right if you get behind everybody else but no, I would say in person, and we'll watch Castillo tomorrow and, and kind of continue to get a better feel for that, but I would say in person, no, it did not feel as rushed because you're not sitting there looking at the clock, you know, and feel that urgency. You're just kind of watching the game as a fan, and it had a pretty good pace, a pretty agreeable pace as we took it in today. You had a chance to talk to Matt Brash this morning, one guy who, man, if he could just be around the plate, fun to watch. Yep. What, 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 do you, what do you take away from chatting to him this morning? What's he been – Working on what's new with him. I know he's off to the World Baseball Classic pretty soon, but what do you got coming out of him? Because, man, I'm, I'm excited well, what to see for, once the season Well, you know this. Yeah, Brian. I mean, you know this. You know it from being a big leaguer yourself and, and watching others, the difference. And, and maybe this crosses over because it's the same thing with going from your freshman year in college to your sophomore year, going from your first year as a professional to your second. You just are comfortable in your own skin. You know, and last year, we all remember he came in as a starter. Am I a starter? He ended up being the fifth starter. And, you know, it just kind of turned out that, no, maybe right now at this stage of your career with your stuff, you are a wipeout dominant reliever, and we need you to fill that role. So he's not like the biggest presence dude. He's not Luis Castillo. You know, he's not, you know, even a Logan Gilbert. He doesn't command physically in that way. But you sat with him, and you're like, yep. This dude knows who he is, man. This guy is starting like most professionals do. You figure out what you are. Maybe more importantly, you figure out what you're not. And you just have a confidence in your skin. And he had that just compare and contrast from a season ago. Boy, he had that in spades today and was sure a lot of fun to talk to. Hey, Brock, so you guys, are you set up in the same place, like right outside the clubhouse where it looks like it, yep. you are, where the weight room's right there? And yep. so you've only been, been down there for, you know, a few days, but anything uh, anything different, like stand out, just being around the culture and just, you know, you mentioned the guys are a lot more in shape, bigger guys, things like that. Yep. But as far as for this team, uh, anything sort of stand out? Yeah, I would say two things. As I said to you, you'll, you'll notice the technology. Right, some of the new just stuff that they have equipment-wise to to measure themselves and, and kind of get that instant feedback. Kind of like when you watch golfers now on a range, right? They all have, you know, the ability to, to look at their shots and see what they're, you know, they how they crafted their shots and everything else. So you, that that's a, that's a little bit different. And I think the second thing, and this one's a little bit more nuanced, but it just is, man. There were in those early years, it felt like they were just living in the past. 
you know, you had the pictures of the guys up on the wall and it was so much of the 95 and the 95 and everything was about the past. And while they still represent that and there's tremendous pride in that, they're not living in that. These guys got it done. They got over the hump. They got rid of the curse. They ended 20 years of a playoff drought and they know it and they know they're pretty good. And, and they know they have enough there and enough talent there that they should be a consistent playoff contender. So being proud of that past, but not living in that past. And I know that's a little bit nuanced, but just kind of day one, day two, you're starting to feel that. And, you know, when you got a young stud like Julio and you got a face of a franchise with wipeout dudes in your bullpen and you're starting a rotation, you should feel pretty good about what the current product is and not have to live so much in what the past product was. Yeah, I like hearing that, man, because, you know, again, 95, 2001, big years and, but you'd see that stuff all over the walls and you had to live with that. And in other words, oh, we haven't done anything. Our teams haven't done anything That's except right. for back in 2001. And all of a sudden, it's completely different now for sure. Hey, I've got to ask you this. Have you seen or heard anyone talk about – because I got a chance to look at this at the winter meetings and it was mind-blowing, the, uh, the, the new pitching machine, the Traject machine. Have you guys had a chance – I know you've only been there a couple of days. Have you ever had a chance yeah. to, get, to go take a look at that? Well, yeah, we were talking about that today and whether or not we're actually going to stand in against that thing. And I think we are. I think we'll put a helmet on, and it's 100%, right? The, the machine doesn't make, a, doesn't make a mistake until it breaks Salt's rib. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think, we're, I, think I, I at least got to just see that. I mean, you know, fortunately, as the flagship of the station, we get to sit in great seats, right? We've all been down in that Diamond Club. And when you sit down there, it's amazing. Or even today at these spring training games, you sit there in the good seats and, and you think you get a feel. But I know, man, when you actually put your feet in a batter's box and you see 104 from Munoz and you see that slider, I know that sitting in that box, it's going to be almost surreal, superhuman. So I think if we get the opportunity, they've hinted that, hey, if you want to, you can kind of get in there and not to swing the bat and make a fool, but just to see it and feel it kind of be like in a pocket, right? With Dave Wyman bearing down on you and all of a sudden you're in the pocket, but you don't get hit. You just get to feel all the fury of Dave Wyman without getting hit by it. I think I kind of want to do that. I think I kind of want to feel these guys. So uh, hopefully we will this week and hopefully Dave and, and, and hyphen, when you guys get down here, you can do the same. Uh, I can make myself uh, look like an idiot washing windows. <laughs> I slipped in the mud the other day. So yeah, I don't, I don't need to get up there and prove how, uh, you don't need to how horrible it's impressive. Don't you, don't you want to at least look at it? Don't you want to at least stand in the box? No. And have a bat in your hand and not sw- No? No, no, I do. I do, actually. I just want the guarantee that I'm not going to get beaned in the ribs. Yeah. I already had broken ribs a few weeks ago. I don't yep. I don't need it again. But yeah, that's so it's a it's a pitching machine that they can, yeah, they can and it is it throwing junk or is it everything? Throwing, yeah, it, it dials every it dials every pitch up. If you, if you want hundred and four, no. If wow. you want hundred and four from Munoz, if you want uh Brash's slider if you want to stand in there, it's Verlander's, you know, two seam or whatever, you can. And I guess it also has a hologram of these guys, so you can put like their hologram up there, and that ball then will release at the different arm angle of these pitchers, and you get as is. I mean, it's not even you know you see all of this like virtual reality stuff. It's not even virtual reality. That ball then comes at you at a hundred miles an hour, or you know, gets the break and the depth and the movement that these guys' pitches do. So. Yeah, what an amazing, amazing, remarkable tool for these for these hitters to have, and 
and maybe for the layman to, to stand in there and <laughs> see what it's Jeez. really like to feel to feel that kind of force. Yeah, I uh, you know that that to me is I, I just remember going to the pitching machines and I you know there some of those places around town that like you know they go like 90 and yep. uh you know I can't even get get a bat on. You got to start swinging like when the pitcher yep. releases the ball basically. Yeah, but hey uh yeah. Hey, Brock, I know you guys talked a little bit about this this morning, but, you know, we didn't get a chance to sort of catch up on the the article that was in The Athletic. And yep. to a couple guys around here that uh, that I really respect. Well, not Jenks so much. He's kind of he's kind of a little squirrely. But, uh, no, uh, Jason Jenks is a really good reporter. Um, Mike Sando's really good. I know that uh, they talked to the other author of that that article on uh, Bump and Stacy today. But um, just your thoughts on that coming down and just, you know, what yep. what's your what's your first I mean, I think this story is particularly outrageous to former players because you know how far off that that is and that it's not even close to being, you know, appropriate, I guess would be the word. But what Mm -hmm. what was your response? Yeah, I guess a couple things, Dave, Uh, you know, in trying to and and being out in Denver a little bit and seeing some arrests people and watching that thing unfold there. To me, that was the crazy as well how far he went there to put himself on the second floor of a building next to the other coaches and really commingle. I mean, you said it as a player, there's a line. You're the coach. I'm the player. And I'm not going to cross that line. So to go to some of the lengths that he has done and did in Denver last year, well, you saw the disaster and the bomb that it was, and it blew up in his face. So circle back to Seattle. And, you know, I I think the, the very clear reality was he and his agent knew they were not going to get another deal in Seattle. He got two deals. They were not going to pay him a third deal, whether that was projecting his skill set, whether that was just the drama in the building, whether whatever it is, and it was and it was the sum of all of it. They were not going to give him $165 million guaranteed dollars like the Broncos did. And at that point, I, I think he and, and his agent went to and went above Pete and John and said, hey, very clearly, this crew isn't going to pay me. Are you? Are you, are you willing to, you know, to, to pay me? Are you willing to move on from those guys and really pick me? And Jody made, obviously, based on last year's results, the absolute right choice. And she stuck with Pete and John, and they found the alternative, which was a trade, which is that, you know, article illuminated, turned into an absolute disaster. And yeah. right now, and, and we'll see, Sean Payton's in there now, and everything. But right now, that trade looks as if it's one of the biggest bombs and biggest worst trades in the history of the league for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and I probably should have prefaced that a little better. But yeah, basically, Russell Wilson uh, wanting you know Pete and John fired, and you know the the I, I was listening to um, you know to Bump and Stacy today, and I, they were trying to decide what was m- the bigger part of that story. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, but it's it's true. Like, you know, it's unprecedented that you would go and ask, you know, Pete and John, the general manager and the head coach to be fired over you as a player. But the other part is, 
I played for both of these franchises, and I know exactly what the second floor looks like going up there. And the two times I remember going up to the second floor, Brock, was one, to get screamed at by my defensive coordinator, and two, was to have the head coach give me a 75% pay cut. So, you know, that's just, that's not where you go. I mean, it's so ridiculous and outrageous, but uh, I don't know. I guess to me and anybody who's a Seattle fan, the most outrageous part about what Russ wanted to pull off there was having you know Pete and John well, fired. Yeah, I, I guess I would say though I, I guess I would challenge that just a little, Dave, in that that's what Aaron Rodgers tried to do in Green Bay, right? And that's what he did with Mike McCarthy and got him fired and brought in Lafleur, and then he wanted Gutenkus, the GM, fired for mm-hmm. drafting Jordan Love, and you know he tried to to do that. So I think when you see some of the level of these franchise QBs who think because they have been paid what they have been paid and and are the face of the organizations that they can go and do what they want to do. Ultimately, Tom Brady wanted out of of, of New England. Now, he wasn't going to get Bill fired, and Kraft was going to stand by Bill Belichick. But, you know, when they move on from Tom Brady, when when Aaron Rodgers can act the way that he has acted there, you can see where, I guess, Russell felt empowered to shoot a shot and yeah. say, hey, you know, if, you, if you're not going to pay me and you're not going to do this, then I'm going to try to go above you. And as I said, I think Jody... Jody Allen and the people around her absolutely made the right decision to keep John and Pete and uh, let those guys build and wish Russell his very best. Well, there he is, Brock Heward and Brock and Salk. Uh, your show will be uh, uh, down there uh, every day for the rest yeah. of the week. Yeah. And you guys yeah. going to stay through the weekend, watch some games as well? or No, they got out a couple days early. So, yeah, I think Salk will do all he can to stay as long as possible in the <laughs> desert. Uh, yeah. We will have Scott Service tomorrow. We will have Jared Kelnick tomorrow. So we'll get a chance to talk to both of those guys on the show. I think that'll be 7.30 and 9 tomorrow morning. So that will be an absolute blast. And like I said, Dave, we're just, we all know, we all know our roles. And we are just warming it up for you and Bob and the finishers to come uh, in at the end. There we go. There we go. Well, thanks, Brock, and uh, great show. Good stuff, man. We appreciate it. You take care, boys, anytime. Thanks for coming on. All right. Hey, if you've missed any of our conversation with Brock Heward or anything from our show, you can go to our podcast page at seattlesports.com. Click on our picture and hit subscribe to make sure you never miss a thing. And make sure to check out all of our video breakdowns and articles at seattlesports.com slash Bob or seattlesports.com slash Wyman. I don't know if we have a Ryan Roland Smith in there. We should. That way we, we can kind of hook him in. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I know. Maybe yeah. when he gets back to being a regular Thanks, baseball Mark. season. Yeah. There you go. Am yeah. I still on? Is it the same time slot? Or yeah, what? sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't care. You we just take like, it yeah, one, We take it one game at a time, so we're not You there guys yet. should be playing. This should, this should be a priority. If you, I mean, come on. You, hey, listen. You're, right, this, you belong to this show. Yeah. This, yeah, is where no, you're, listen, this is where you shine. I say this. I already have it tattooed on my arm. It's my favorite part of the week. It's my favorite part of the week, 3 o'clock on Monday. I love it. There we go. All right. Hey, coming up next, uh, the Padres uh, Padres keep redefining what it means to be a small market team. We'll talk about what it means for the Mariners. That's up next. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. You're listening to Wyman and Bob with Ryan Roland-Smith. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome back to Wyman and Bob. It's Dave Wyman and Ryan Roland-Smith. You can text the show 866-979-3776. 
on the Mac and Jack's text line. Uh, today we're talking a little bit about, well, here's what we talk about. The entire off season is what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Not me so much as Bob. <laughs> he was like, no excuses. We have to spend money. And Manny Machado is opting out of this 10-year deal with the, the Padres at the end of the season. Uh, agrees to a new t- 11-year, $350 million contract extension. No opt-outs and, and no trade clause. First of all, are you far enough away from the game where you're like, you got to be kidding me, $350 million? Well, I've always been, you know, and even talking about when the Mariners, like, you know, um, being cautious about investing in any human being past three or four years, especially once they hit 30. No offense to the older guys. I mean, I just turned yeah. 40, but... Yeah, it goes. I mean, and that's the price you pay. The last couple years of any of these deals, and I'm talking, you know, uh, from you know, Albert Pujols, who's a Hall of Famer, right? That's that's the price you pay. I mean, there's a bunch of examples when you're looking at these long-term deals. So I was kind of shocked. And, and just for Manny Machado, just to give a bit of a breakdown here, I mean, he signed a, in 2019, he signed a 10-year deal. Yeah, what, $300 million with the Padres. And the Padres, at that point, before they got all these players that we see now, it was kind of surprising to see them beat out the New York Yankees and everyone else. And at that point with Manny Machado, it was a little bit of his character. Um, Is he a good teammate? And so it was kind of shocking. And then we knew that leading into this, he had the opt-out. Uh, at the end of this year. So, of course, he's going to go in. He's coming off a good year. Of course, he's going to go into the spring training and, and announce, I'm going to opt out at the end of the year. But if you're a Padres fan, you're like, oh, thanks. But yeah. they kind of get it, right? They they kind of understand it. And I was kind of shocked to see them turn back around because they just keep spending money. They just keep spending cash. And so, oh, yeah, you know what? Here's another 11 mil, and now we're going to put it out to you for, you know, what what was the deal here, 300-something million? I, I was, I was, I was yeah, kind of shocked. 350. 350. Yeah. I mean, again, and you're basically paying him. You're going to get that. 30, when he's age 37, 38, 39, 40, those years, you're paying him, are you paying him $31 million or something like that? Insane. Yeah, you know, I was, I always, I have this stupid saying that I always say, uh, you know, he could get hit by a bus, you know, but my point is, this is a flesh and blood with a skeleton, bones that break, mm-hmm. human being. Yeah. I mean, that much money into, there's so many things I feel like that can go wrong, you know, first of all. But uh, by the way, Bob was complaining about the C, uh, the Mariners not spending money. I was a little bit too. I was kind of with yeah, him. And, yeah. And he, he stood tall in the pocket when like service came in because service was looking at him like uh, right at Bob going, you know, uh, some people want us to spend like $350 million and we're just not going to do that. And Bob was like, he, he hung in there, man. Same thing. You know, everybody was giving him a hard time. But that was something that he really harped on. I was more on, hey, look, I think you develop your, your team. I know this is uh, the way in the NFL. Schneider has some saying. I can't, can't remember. I'll have to ask him this week. But something about how you don't build a Super Bowl team through free agency. You build it from within, drafting young guys and developing them. And that's that's what the Mariners are doing, right? Yeah. That's, that's sort yeah. of their off-season solution, not going and signing these these huge deals. But Bob disagreed with him. And, you know, like I said, he, he stood tall when everybody was kind of yeah. giving him a hard time about it. But, yeah, that was that was something that was very clear to him. I think, too, you go back a year ago, Chris Bryant and uh, Trevor Story, which both of those guys, with the teams they went to, with the Red Sox and to the the Rockies, you know, that just didn't pan out. That was – everyone was just salivating over trying to get one of these guys to fill this need. So 
The argument there, I think, with the Seattle Mariners coming off last year was, you know what, they have this really good team chemistry. You don't want to take out bats away from guys who they feel like are about to take the next step, mm. which is really important. I My thought on that was I wasn't expecting to go out and get one of these shortstops that's going to cost you – I'm not talking about cash. I'm talking about years where you have to – you know. Um, uh, commit to someone for five plus years. But my thought was, okay, you do, and I totally agree. Any of these teams that are going to the world series, you look at that bedrock of those, those organizations, they're drafting and developing better yeah. than anyone. Or, and I'm talking even the big market teams, the New York Yankees, the Red Sox. You look at some of, when you start looking at prospect lists and how many guys are having the top 100, they do such a good job. They can draft, they can develop. And I've got to say the Mariners, there was a good, while there, they just were not drafting. There were maybe one, one or two guys every so often, but that's a big part of it. Where some of these other teams were drafting, developing the right way, and then on the development side of things, man, everyone was just on a different page. In other words, I when I was coming up through the system, and then I noticed this even you know uh, more recent times, it was you get to a ball and you're doing a certain philosophy or a way of doing things, then you get to double A, and this coach is just like, oh, don't listen to that. This is how I hit. You know, th- this is how you do things. But I think the Mariners now, for some of these younger players who they are developing, there's a respect level. You've got to ha- look up at the top team and say, things are going right up there, as opposed to being with the Cincinnati Reds saying, God, look at these jokers. There's, there's that kind of respect level, I think. That's one part of it. But I still feel like there could have been that add-on of people are going to think I'm crazy. I've said this since Christmas. Another starting pitcher, right, in there. Yeah. A couple bullpen arms. Um, maybe you bring someone in who, you know, if you love your team chemistry, bring someone in. Like, a, And again, I'm using this example because people know him, but Nelson Cruz, India Clubhouse. Um, just some of these little elements because the best teams that win World Series, yes, they develop and they, they have that bedrock of guys coming in through the system, but they also add on what they already have. For, the, for the, the human element of when you get to the playoffs, have guys who have been there before and can get through some of those moments. Is is Major League Baseball kind of like the NFL is very copycat? Like if people do it this way, oh, yeah. then everybody's going to do it that way. 100%. And is, is there a point? Do you think there's a point in the future where these free agent uh, big dollar? Because l- let's say the the Padres end up just entirely, you know, at the bottom of their division or whatever, and people slowly start to figure out that's not how you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you develop from within. You get a good farm system, all that stuff. Is that? Do you think? Can you see that maybe that would be the case five, ten years down? Absolutely. So, like, talk about the Padres, and you look at them, and for for whatever reason, the Mariners kind of feel like they're on par with the Padres with throughout the years, you know, whether it be because they share the same spring training complex or a small market team, whatever it may be. You think that's a a thing? Yeah, it's like they're like, oh, but the Padres are spending money, and they're a small market team. Yeah. But then again, look, if if – I'm going to say they were borderline scary where this was all going to blow up thanks to Fernando Tatis with some of the reports you hear about him as a teammate and some of his work ethic or laughing off some of these motorcycle accidents. When you have a player like that who's such a huge influence on your fan base and then what you saw last year, if you don't make it – and they didn't do this two years ago, but last year they got to the playoffs and they had some success. If last year – if they fell flat on their face last year, man – you're talking, you're carrying some hefty years and some hefty dollars for some of these free agents or guys they've brought over into trades. That's the risk you take. It really is. And then all of a sudden you, you kind of screw because you flush out that minor league system, which they have done, 
and now you're just carrying around all these you know hefty salaries and there's no team chemistry you've kind of broken up mm-hmm. you started to fracture some, you know some of your team because you have to trade this guy off or that guy off and then your fans get upset so there is that risk and they were close to that last year they got to the playoffs without a Fernando Tatis the P I haven't even mentioned the PEDs too with him yeah but that was something that I was like oh man this is close to blowing up Big time down in San Diego, for sure. Well, and then coming up next, we're going to talk about J.P. Crawford. But I want to ask you about, you know, like the leadership thing, if that's if that's overdone and is that something that, uh, you know, you mentioned the chemistry. You got a bunch of guys coming from different places. Everybody's making, you know, 30, 40 million. We'll also discuss whether or not making that much money makes you weird because <laughs> uh, that's that's my theory. All right, we'll talk about that next with, uh, with Ryan Roland-Smith. We'll talk about J.P. Crawford, namely because – uh, he's bought up a, a place here. We'll see if that makes any kind of difference, according to Ryan Roland Smith. That's next on Wyman and Bob. It's Wyman and Bob. Welcome back, Ryan Roland Smith here, uh, filling in for Bob Stelton, who's taken the day off, much needed. I think Bob might be the hardest working man in show business. He never takes days off. Where's he? Where's he at today? We, uh, any, we don't know. Or do we not give that out over the? We don't give his private life up. Yeah, he's at the Burger King on 6th and... No, he... uh, He's out on his yacht. He wouldn't go. (laughs) He doesn't have a boat. (laughs) Do you have a boat, Lefko? See, he's not going to get the joke. (laughs) I know, but you You and I get it. Our listeners, Adam Ray and him, have quote back and forth. You're not just talking to your buddies in here. Yeah. You have other people listening. (laughs) What did uh, did I miss? Usually I'm up up to speed with everything. So the boat thing was something entirely between Adam Ray... And and Mike Lefko, but gotcha. you had the you had the quote that was the quote from you there that that your wife told you you're not just talking to your buddies yeah. everybody's listening because you oh, said yeah. you were cheap oh, and yeah. she said I don't want any part of that oh yeah you're cheap not her yeah I, I look I, again it's it's frugal frugal yeah I just I don't want to spend money on just you know stupid stuff that's just it and by the way too this all stemmed from me driving to Arizona for Christmas instead of flying <laughs> I just I enjoy driving Let, let's get real like that's why I enjoy driving that's why really yeah I love I love road trips it's the best I love well, it I do hate going through the airport it's almost oh, brutal it's almost worth if it if I have to spend an hour in the in the airport I'll I'd rather do three hours in a car. Yeah. I, I hate going 100%. through the airport. But um, it wasn't just that, though. It was also the, the first-class tickets that you <laughs> traded back in. I, if By I the- put a poll out on, you know, and uh, Texas can write in to ask that question, I guarantee you'd get a high percentage of people saying, listen, that's a really smart idea. Yeah, well, And I got that from another player, another Grant Balfour, who, who, by the way, made a ton of money. Right, playing baseball and had a ten-plus year career. I got that from him. So let's explain it again. Basically, okay. So I'll I'll try and keep this quick because we've got a lot to get to. But traveling secretary will say, "Listen, book your flight, and we just reimburse you. We just look up the flight on the internet, and then we just see whatever the value is. Boom." So the trick was, what you'd do is book, (laughs) you'd book an economy ticket, right, and then you days before. You were supposed to fly out. Say, oh, hey, I've booked my flight. You know, you remind them. So then they go online like literally two days before you're supposed to fly. And you know how it is. If you're looking up flights days before, it's going to be expensive. Well, they owe you a business class. They have to pay you a business class. So he has to look up and say, oh, flying from Australia to the USA to Seattle or Arizona or whatever. Man, that's $10,000 for a $12,000 for a ticket. Meanwhile, I've just paid 1500 bucks for an economy. <laughs> Boom, cash it in. I mean, why wouldn't you? Uh, I guarantee you. So, uh, 
Yeah. 90, 80% of people would do that. Well, I don't okay. care. I'll well, sit back in the sardine can. I'm fine. Really? See, I can't do hours, that for that long. I'm that fine. would be. I'll say this, though. I mean, I think that they would rather pay you than the airlines. Right. I mean, at least the money's going yeah, to for sure. you. And yeah. That's good. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't do that, though. I had to. We had to do a flight from L.A. to Taipei one time and sitting in regular with my wife and the guy, you know, leaned back on <laughs> yeah. me. Oh, and like you said, sardine can't. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. So we were talking about <laughs> J.P. Crawford originally and... Just uh, you know, I thought this was. I don't. I don't know if you think this this means anything, but you know, he used to spend all of his off season time down in L.A. because he's he's from down there. But now he's got a home here, and I know he's. Uh, is he working out uh, down driveline? Yeah, at driveline, and so. And the other thing, you know, just some of the quotes I was asking you earlier about the sinker, and maybe explain that a little bit because he was talking about how no pitchers are throwing uh, sinkers uh, anymore. I don't know if you call it a sinker now, and that's the kind of old school, but, you know, they're not pitching down in the zone anymore. T- tell us about yeah, why. Yeah, so he's referring to the fact that, you know, look, it kind of went in stages. Back in the day, it was, hey, just get weak contact. Get the ball on the ground. You know, get mm-hmm. ground balls, and then your fielders pick them up. And then it went to, oh, hold on a minute, swings and misses is a big value, right? That that's the big value. That that, that put it this put it this way. I had a farm director once tell me that if you had two guys, and this is no joke, if you had two guys, and this is again league wide in AAA, you've got this guy over here has probably got a five ERA, struggling a little bit, but he gets a huge swing and miss rate. Then you got this kid over here who's got you know two five. But a lot of contact, weak contact, obviously. He's, he's having some good numbers. He's putting up some good results. They're taking the guy who's got a 5-plus-6 ERA with a ton of swings and misses because from an analytical standpoint, they, they feel that nothing but swings and misses. So it's gone in stages. It went from weak contact, ground balls, to, okay, either you pitch at the top of the strike zone and get swings and misses or you generate ground balls. Now it's more of a situation where guys are really figuring out how to throw harder, how to get more spin, how to throw at the top of the strikes, and how to generate more swings and misses thanks to data and everything else, that J.P. Crawford in that article is referring to, well, look, there's hardly any guys now who really try and hone that craft of getting you know, two seamers sinkers under the barrel to get the guy to hit the ball on, on the ground. So yeah, Daniel Kramer wrote an article about, about him. Did it did a great job. But you know, we were and and this is. Do you mind telling the the Juan Soto story or no? Yeah. So you know, it's. The reason why I bring him up, you told me a little story, which we'll get into, but, you know, JP just seems like such a good leader. I mean, yeah. I, I like his voice, and he doesn't really come off that way because he doesn't, he's not real. He's one of those guys when you interview him for 10 minutes, you got to have like 20 questions. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't have long winded answers or anything. But his voice really carries, it seems, in, you hear that a lot in the, in the clubhouse and just, you know, him being a good dude and, you know, and so the Juan Soto story. I mean, this is going to make everybody wish that the Mariners had gone after what after yeah, Juan Soto. Yeah, I, I love hearing this too. So basically, um, what, okay. So Blake Snell had when with the Padres they came to Seattle and he had a, an event in his house and and he said to me, um, I love hearing these stories. He says, I'm going to make you guess. Um, guess who this was? So he he mentioned. He said, look, I had a thing in my house where all my teammates came over. And then there was one player who was walking around, introduced himself to all my friends and family. There was he was picking stuff up, he was picking up trash, and he was, everyone had left, and he's just hanging out, you know, cleaning the place up, and he's right. he's 
you know, eye contact with everyone, making sure he, he could say hi to everyone, which is rare because usually if you're a, on a team and you go in, you just want to kind of sit there, maybe talk to a teammate. And you don't want to be talking to outside people, I guess. I don't right. know. I mean, I'm a little different, but that's kind of how, yeah. I said, he goes, oh, I guess who it was. I'm like, I don't know. He, and he said, Juan Soto. He goes, dude, he is the best, man. He's amazing. Yeah. And so when you see the Padres bring him over in the trade, first of all, obviously what he does on the field is ridiculous, man. You watch him hit. He is very difficult from a former pitcher to look at and say, this is kind of how you would try and go about getting him out. Because, man, he is so – he's disciplined at the plate. He's swing decisions, all these other things. And then obviously when he puts – when he does swing, good things happen. But then you hear stuff like that. It, it, it can't be overstated enough. Because, Dave, you know, you, you've been on teams with different characters. There's a lot of different personalities from all over the world. That's a melting pot. Right. And you've got 180 days worth with each other, 162 games. And you've got, you know, plane rides, bus rides, everything, to and from the airport, you know, hotel elevators. Spending lots of time together. A lot of time together. Yeah. And, you know, you go back to, I think, with JP and, and just thinking back to last year in 2022, let's not forget this team was 10 games under 500. Who was the person? And he was—he wasn't killing it. But who was the person that you'd keep hearing from? It was JP, because yeah. he'd get in front of everyone and he'd speak up and say, "Hey, we're all good." And he's kind of be that—that—that that, you know—that that mouthpiece for the team. It's hard when you're struggling. No one wants to talk. No one wants to talk about what's happening, what's going on. But it was always—it was always him in the forefront. And I think the other team, other players are on the team. You know, obviously you appreciate that as well. Yeah, you know what? I, I want to get into that a little, a little bit more. We got a, we got a break here, and uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that because I think it's meaningful in you know not just baseball, not just football, but but all sports. Talk about uh, you know just some of the the personalities that are in the locker room or the clubhouse or whatever. But coming up, one rule change has already made a huge change to baseball, and we'll break that down next. It's Seattle Sports on seven ten and SeattleSports dot com. It's Wyman and Bob with Ryan Roland Smith.